Blake is the star of the show right now. And so yes. anyway, we, we really like his podcast. It's called uh, Rethinking Christianity. And so uh, Blake, just introduce yourself and, and tell us about tell us about yourself. All right, what's up, y'all? I am super uh, thankful to be on. I never, so I started doing Rethinking Christianity. Um, like, so I, it started from me just simply being like, I don't really know like what's going on in the church today. And I kind of was struggling with some stuff. So I, I literally started it like, just, I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna start a, a podcast and no one had the name rethinking Christianity. No one had the website. Mm. No one had this. Mm. Like, I think there's someone that has the social media or the Instagram out there. So, so I was like, I'm going to try and see how this works. And so I never really thought anybody would ever really care to talk to me. Yeah. So I'm super, uh, um, and then you had the freaking like, like Pete ends and like, yeah, like I was and, like, yeah, you, you had happened? some pretty big names Dude. on. I was like, Whoa, this guy's a baller. You, you were telling me, and he was telling me some names yesterday that, uh, no, not going to no spoilers, but yeah, like, you know, season two or three, baby. Like what, Rob, yeah, Bell? Did you have Rob like, Bell on what's going on? Maybe I would not, I would like to talk to him. I don't know. We would, would you have Mark Driscoll on. I actually, if he would, I'm just you know kidding. What? I'm no, just kidding. I'm a I'm, I'm a fair person. If he would be willing to like have a com fair conversation, which I don't think he which would, he wouldn't. He's which not, I'd be so not, down. Right. I, my thing is, yeah. I'm down to talk to anybody. I don't care yeah. where they land. So yeah, yeah. But my name's Blake. I do I do rethinking Christianity. Um, you can find us on Instagram. <clears throat> yeah, a little yes. plug right there. Um, and you can just find us on any podcast mm -hmm. platform. But I grew up in so a little bit about me. I grew up in South Georgia. Um, so. I know y'all are living in Atlanta, so mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like I know you y'all mentioned or you mentioned last night. Um, it's like Atlanta and the rest of Georgia. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. I grew up in I grew up in South Georgia. Uh, Cordial Georgia is the watermelon capital of the world. So if y'all are ever really? watermelons, yeah, and if you probably honestly get your watermelons in the summer from Cordial. So mm -hmm. fun fact there. So I grew up in a you know American evangelical context, and I think some of that is. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean a negative thing. So like, I just want to go ahead and like, when I say that, I know a lot of people have a negative connection to that. Um, and you know, in some ways that's fair, but I grew up in Southern Baptist church. I, um, I grew up in, in church generally. Um, and so, but the biggest parts or the biggest moments in my life that were really impactful for me were in that, in those contexts. Uh, and so I grew up there and I went to, you know, I had the typical church experience. I kind of, I got saved and through at a camp and got baptized and all those things. Um, and you know, I that's when I began to really kind of think about what my my faith meant for me. I remember being like 19, and there was a moment where I was kind of like I was up really late because I I just I don't like to sleep, I guess. But I was up really late, and I I remember just like thinking like, you know what? I'm either gonna take this really seriously or I'm not going to like do it because there's no point. Um, and so I began the journey of trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. I ended up going to Shorter University in Rome. Um, and I got my undergrad in Christian studies, which was just a bunch of Bible classes and you know, church ministry classes and things like that. And I, part of the reason that I started the podcast was, you know, I guess the line, the word deconstruction could be used. I don't know if that's really where I, I'm not really trying to like deconstruct or destroy. I'm just really trying yeah. to find clarity. That's yeah. what I'm trying to find clarity. I think deconstruction is a word that's kind of getting thrown around a lot when I don't know if that's necessarily what people are trying to do or even want to do. I think they're, they're looking for trying to find understanding and clarity. Mm -hmm. But I had a professor um, who I took a first and second Kings class and I had this professor and I went to 
I remember being in this class and I remember in, in uh, college, I just didn't take my academics seriously as I do, like, as I would if I were in it now. But um, I remember going to this class and he would really challenge our viewpoints of the Bible. So I came in with the kind of the Sunday school answers, the understanding of the Bible of like, okay, it is what it is. You know, it says what it says, do what it says. Don't even think about questioning it, all those things. If you question it, you're a heretic and, and things like that. And so I went into this class with that mindset. So my world was kind of shocked when, um, and this guy's a Christian, like he's a believer. Um, he really just challenged like the way in which we approach the Bible and the way we thought about the Bible. And, and I would go to his office with questions like, okay, like you made this statement in class. Like, I don't really, what does that mean? Does that mean that that's actually how it happened? Were they, was this exaggerated? So all these things around, the, and that's where it started for me. So it started with the Bible for me. Uh, and I'm a nerd. Like I, I really enjoy, I'm, in, I'm getting my MA in biblical studies. Um, and I like where, if you don't mind where uh, I'm at new Orleans, I'm at a new Orleans Baptist seminary. I'm online. I'm at a Southern Baptist seminary. Um, I'll, if I decide to get my PhD, I'll probably do it at somewhere kind of more middle grounded. That way it's just, you know, from the academic perspective, mm-hmm. um, I have no issue. I, I, the professors that I've taken from are 10 times smarter than I'll ever be. So, yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, so I'm doing my degree and that's where it started for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it started for, for me, um, just trying to figure out like what, how do I reconcile the Bible and, and things like that. And, yeah. um, then down the road, I started thinking like, philosophically about different questions around just Christian faith and religion and mm-hmm. obviously examining all the stuff that's been going on, like you know, within the church. And, and then I, what was really funny was I, when I was in college, I, I helped be a part of a college ministry and we were really heavily influenced by the kind of the culture of, you know, the Atlanta passion city kind of yeah, yeah, like, yeah. dress a certain way. You like, yeah. Yeah, you're so, you got to wear tight black yeah, jeans. Yeah, you dude, I tight used to black be, jeans and, uh, yeah. so for me, I used to think, yes, yeah, I used yeah. to think like, okay, so that's kind of what, that's what ministry is, because that's kind of what is presented, like it's it's doing this thing, and as I kind of matured some out of that, and I appreciate what passion does, like I went to dude, conference. we have our own issues with passion, believe, believe yeah, me. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I had, and I, I think honestly, I liked it more back in like 2015, 2016 mm-hmm. than I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think examining all those things and then seeing stuff come around like the preachers and sneakers page and stuff like y'all know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh, oh yeah. It was oh, just yeah, a yeah. Com- compilation of things of like I finally got asking question yeah, like go there, Blake. Go there. <laughs> yeah, I will. I finally got asking the question of like, is this what and this is what the podcast is all about? Rethink Christianity simply <laughs> is this. When you get down to the root of it, what did Jesus intend for his people? And yeah. so that's kind of where I'm at is how yeah. do I like communicate that clearly in a way that it's sometimes it's hard because I don't want to make polarizing statements, but also don't want to be a sissy and just mm-hmm. not make a statement for the sake of not making a statement. So it's, yeah. I try to like, you know, have a fine line, but that's yeah. kind of how, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. It's kind of where I am at. Cool. I'm, Blake, Blake, let me throw it. So dude, let's just get into it. I'm going to throw out a juicy tidbit at you and, and, and tell me what you think about this. So, Andrew's got some hot button. No, uh, no, no. It's not. It's not. It's right. like, dude, I'm I want to hear. I want to hear your thoughts on this. So I'm like on TikTok sometimes and sometimes I'll reply to oh, yeah. various deconstructionists. And I feel like something that I hear a lot is people saying, well, you know, they'll talk about Trump being touted in their church and they'll talk about purity culture and they'll talk about racism and they'll talk about all these things that their church did growing up and they're saying well i'm deconstructing from that i'm i'm deconstructing my faith and 
like, so I don't want to sound overly simplistic, but I want to be like, that wasn't part of the Bible to begin with. Like, like, why yeah. are y'all deconstructing things? Like that was just bad theology, you know, yeah. like, do you resonate with that at all? Or am I being overly simplistic or what? No, no, I, I definitely see, I think that, well, I think the hard part in all of it is really, really trying to, um, I think you have to start with empathy. That's where that's where I try yeah. to start with, and that's hard because like Andrew and I don't always start there, Blake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me either. Me either. They're like, and my yeah. thing is, I think there are things that like because we all have things that matter to us, right? Yeah. Like we have these things that we really care about that have like maybe impacted us in a certain way. And for a lot of people, religion and faith is a big part of that. And I agree with you. A lot of people are like deconstructing from things that aren't necessarily. I mean, that's not what Jesus was doing anyways. You're not really yeah. deconstructing from Christianity. You're, you are deconstructing from things that have occurred out of bad theology or just humanity, the brokenness of people. Uh, and my thing with that is, I think what we have to be able to do is like, one, I don't think we can. I, I'll tr- my thing is, I try to just not let it bother me because I, I, every individual is going to be doing their own thing. And I yeah. can't control that. Yeah, yeah. But what I can control is... You know, one, am I am I trying to find connectivity with their story mm-hmm. or understanding from a place of empathy? Like when you listen to podcasts like The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, like, you know, we loved it. Yeah. It yeah. And so it's like, yes, people are deconstructing from things that are not necessarily the way of Jesus or Christian mm-hmm. at all. But on the flips, on the same side of that, I think we have to like, you know, deal with the fact that people are really hurt by a lot of this stuff and like finding ways to like hear them. Yeah, and so I think, I think, and here's the thing, social media is just not, I think some people are literally are doing this for views and, and cloud and things like that. And so like, mm-hmm. you can't really like help or walk with people if you're just doing it through social media and you don't have people around you to help you. Like I have friends in my life that I have conversation with around mm-hmm. topics mm-hmm. that I struggle with and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you're saying is completely like partially true, but I think you have to, I think we have to find ways to have empathy. And I, and I do think that, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is a simple statement to say like they are deconstructed from things that are just bad theology, but that doesn't make it not true just because it's simple. I think it is. Yeah. true. I think it is true what you're saying. I just think it's, yeah. how do we approach it? I think that's the question we have I to think, ask. Us. I think the thing that I'm not owning up to maybe is, is the fact that like even, even, the evangelical church and politics can sometimes be like this. And like, I need to perhaps own up to that a little well, bit that's, more. That's what I was going to jump in and say is that um, it's, it's, it's a spectrum, right? Like we can say like uh, one of the quotes I have here from a podcast that I'll share after the show uh, from a, a Lisa Childers podcast with this dude, uh, Neil Shinby. He's awesome, man. You'd love him, Blake. Yeah. Uh, but he was like, okay, you know, obviously the question is, Ideally, the question should be, what is authentic Christianity? So then the question becomes, like you said, what are we deconstructing and are we deconstructing or are we reforming? And I think to, 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 to Andrew's point, yeah, a lot of people I think are, and we talked a little bit about this last night, a lot of people are deconstructing. Uh, I think they, they're going, they're deconstructing, you know, the concepts of hell. And I don't mean questioning things or in, a, in, a, in an apologetic way. I mean, like, like, yeah, coming out and like uh, the, the, there's a page called uh, uh, and he's a funny dude and I know somebody who's done an interview with him uh, uh, the the new evangelical or something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I interviewed him. I told. Oh, him. you did? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. cool. So, yeah, yeah so, so I, I would say I, that a guy like that. Yeah, is, I'm not at that place personally. I yeah, mean, he's, he's a sure. good guy. He means well. I, I think he really does mean well. Yeah, um, and I know that he used to work for uh, Mega Church, I think, and all that. I would say that um, while, while, while I think that that's deconstructing in a sense that is, uh, and we can get into that as far as, uh, you know, orthodoxy and, and biblical mm-hmm. inerrancy and stuff like that, to Blake's point too, though, we can't also just say it's not as simple as, in my opinion, as simple as, well, you know, that's not what the original Christianity was. Well, if you grew up, to, to, to Blake's point and to those people's point, if you grew up and your parents and, and your uncles and you were told and you were indoctrinated with the fact that that's what Christianity was, it's not going to be as simple as, oh, they were just wrong. And then you go towards, well, you grew up based in a faith that, like, you've been told your entire life. And like you said, Andrew, it's been merged with politics. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, empathetic empathy, but also like understanding that uh, they're going to probably have more of a tendency to want to throw uh, the baby out with the bathwater. You yeah. know, the, 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 the inerrancy yeah. or the, the Jesus out off. with the, the bad church. <laughs> like, yeah, they're pissed. Yeah, people are mad. I will say to um, what well, you mentioned on like kind of owning up to, to that. Um, I think a great one thing that a really good book and I would just skip the introduction because I didn't like it, but is the book Jesus and John Wayne. I don't know if you all have. Yeah. If you read that, I, it's um, I, there are bits and pieces, and that's with any book that I didn't necessarily. I felt like you, the chicken bones out. Yeah, yeah, but there's some stuff yeah. in there. Like if you just look at it from an overview of just like the involvement of yeah. um, really the Southern Baptist Convention and American politics, especially in like the '60s through the '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, and even we kind of saw some of it with the 2016 election. Um, but here another thing, like I'm not the guy that's gonna like. I hate like I don't mind politics. I don't like it that much, mm-hmm. but I'm not really the guy that's going to go to people and be like, oh, you voted for Trump. You you're a you're a bad Christian. Da, da, da. It's so much more nuanced than all of that. Yeah. And I think that like I think to simplify that conversation down to just like, oh, you're good or bad based on who you vote for. I think that's just not intelligent. So I yeah. I'm, I'm not that person either. So yeah, yeah. I think you can critique you can critique everybody. Yeah, speaking Daniel, of, Daniel, speak, Daniel voted for Obama. So, you know, there's that. Uh, <laughs> I, vote, I vote third party now, everybody. So but I'm the I'm, I'm the wasted vote category. Uh, uh, I do. You mentioned Jesus and John Wayne and the podcast with uh, Alicia Childers touches on that. Um, I think this is and I'm glad you mentioned that because this is like the heart of like, I think. This is like the front lines, for lack of a better term of like, so I think a book like that is a perfect example that in my opinion, it draws very needed critiques of the modern Western white, yeah. let's just call it what it is, evangelical church. I, I also think that uh, in the biggest thing, Caleb, that that kept that keeps coming up with me, the one word that keeps popping into my head with a lot of this stuff, and it's okay because look, uh, well, the word is ambiguity. The, the deconstruction seems so ambiguous amongst like, okay, so what do... What, what are you looking to believe or what it's, it seems like everybody is out on their journey. And I understand when you have doubts or when you're skeptical or when you're trying to find uh, when you're looking critically at uh, uh, politics and, and, and the church and stuff like that, there's going to be some ambiguity. It's not as simple. It's not as black and white, clear lines. I think, though, how, uh, the, one of the quotes or one of the quotes I wrote down or, or one of the questions I wanted to write down for all of us is, how much of the deconstruction movement is wrapped up in critical theory, postmodernism, subjective morality, uh, moral subjectivity or whatever, versus actually just, so I guess how much of this 
books like Jesus and John Wayne are, well, let's look at where the church has got it wrong, which is definitely a great thing. And, and these are filling gaps that haven't been filled by yeah. your Christian bookshelves, you know, Lifeway and stuff like that for 20 years. Yeah. And how much of it is really coming from a place of flirting with postmodernism? Because I don't want to go out there and call everybody a Marxist who, who's, who's uh, 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 critiquing the church at all. But I also want to say, okay, so what, because when I listen to the pod, I listen to podcasts with, uh, I forget her name, um, but I listen to a podcast with her and she made some great critiques of the church, but there's also like, I couldn't really land on, okay, so, so where, where, what is your, what is our ultimate authority? What is our objective standard? Where do you think that lies within the deconstruction movement? And that's kind of the heart of what I wanted to talk about is like, how much is what are we using to deconstruct are we using are we using the bible are we using our mm. our, our, mm. our political feeling yeah, like yeah. what do you think about yeah. that yeah yeah i think and again like i can only really speak for myself um because i don't know what the intentions of each individual are um i know that people definitely have been like hurt and things like that by the church i know there there are people i talk to that like are just critically thinking and they're trying to struggle through these things um for me i mean if I don't have, okay, say we deconstruct down to like, we just, you just keep deconstructing, keep deconstructing. I mean, there does come a point where you're like, all right, what is my guiding point here? Like, I don't even have any, like, what's the, what's the point of all this? So for me personally, like my, my thing is I keep, I always go back to Jesus. And I know that sounds like the most simplified answer. Um, but for me, like what I have struggled with in my own faith is growing up in just a context of like, I get saved, I attend, I volunteer, I join a group, I come back, whatever, I give all those things. Um, I follow a pastor, I watch all of my theology comes from what the pastor says, all of my thinking comes from the pastor. And so for me, I began to ask questions of like, and, and some of the stuff that helped me I came across was John Mark Comer was yeah. the stuff that he presents. And the idea, this changed my like thinking of Jesus. I never thought about it of like a, the, like as a way of life. Um, and so for me, I know that people are deconstructing a lot of different directions. For me personally, I'm deconstructing to Jesus. For you, I don't even know if that's the right word. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to, I'm trying to tear down everything yep. and get to a place where I am following Jesus every day. So I interviewed a guy named Mark Scandrett and something that he said to me really like, has changed my thinking behind it. So, and he said, like, anyone can do this. He, he was like, it may not mean something for someone that's an atheist. It may not mean something for someone that's not, that has another religion, but it will challenge them in their thinking and how they operate as a human. So what he presented was when you look at the words and the teachings of Jesus, he was like, what would happen if you as like a group of five to six people, and he invited people to do this where he lives, y'all began to literally take the, the teaching seriously. And one of the first things that they did as a group was they read the words of Jesus where it talks about selling half your possessions and giving to the poor. And um, so what they did was they literally got all their stuff together. They sold half of what they did not need. And they used that and gave to like different um, homeless organizations and things like that. And what they found was when you begin to take those, those teachings seriously, you begin to realize how they challenge who you are and the brokenness in you. So for instance, when we take that teaching, like sell half of your stuff, right? How many of us are more often than not really like we're kind of possessive people. So when you're challenged to do that, 
you see the greed in you. You see what you, yeah. what you're holding on to in this world that is not. It's just material. Um, that if you take the teaching of like, don't look at a woman with lust in your eyes. If you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery in your heart. Well, then if you're trying to put that teaching into action and you're out and about, I'm married. So like I'm out and about and like I see a woman that I find attractive and I'm intentionally having to like, I begin to see the, the lust in me and the brokenness in me. And the only resolution to those things for me is finding hope in Jesus and knowing that he can resolve this brokenness in me. So for, for me, that was like something that really shifted for me was like, okay, like if this stuff is true and it deals with the brokenness of individuals and like, if they follow it, it ain't easy. And it chat, like it really challenges who we are. I think there, there is truth to it. Um, for me, yeah. like that's where I'm at. I'm for, I'm trying to follow Jesus. Um, but I incredible. do, I do think that it is a real struggle when, when we question like, cause most people, their, their starting point is the, the Bible as the word of God and inerrancy. And that was me. And I think that, I think that that's a hard thing for a lot of people, because if you dive deep into some of the stuff with the Bible, it is not as black and white as just, oh, it's just, it is what it says it is. And that's it. I think a great, you know, resource is the Bible project that I, I engage with a lot and they've helped me a lot. I like, you know, Pete ends is another one. The Bible for normal people is a podcast that I listen to, but back to answer your question. I think that again, like what y'all, you kind of mentioned about like, is are people just deconstructing from bad theology or, or what's the guiding point or what's the authority? I can't really speak for every person because I guess I more so how, how would you, if you had to, because honestly, man, what you just said is beautiful and, you, and you're doing it in such a, like, in my opinion, obviously you're doing it in such a, uh, uh, an honest way and Blake I feel like from everything from just knowing you in the week or whatever we've been emailing and texting and based off what you told me about your professor in your journey or whatever you want to call it of, of seeking and all that if you were to come across something that really 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 what you just said about the possessions thing if you were to come across something or a teaching or a truth that really challenged you you would run towards it rather than run away from it. And I guess that, how would you, as a person who, from everything I see, and I think Andrew would agree, you're doing, you're doing it the way, like, I feel like is, 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 is the way to do it. Um, not that there's one way to do it, but you're doing it in a great way. How would you suggest someone do it and find that kind of middle road? I guess you, you said it, just look at Jesus, right? Yeah. I think people just have to like find a place to be like, I think the question is, am I being honest with myself? Mm. That's one thing. Like, am I honestly like, do I want to give up these things? Because the, the thing is like people can try and make Christianity, whatever they want it to be. But in my own opinion, it does come down to like discipline, like some form of discipline in your life. And I don't mean that as like workspace. I don't mean that. I mean that it does take like, like it takes initiative from you to engage with who Jesus is. Yeah. And there's a lot of different ways to do that, rather it be from the Catholic perspective, the Protestant perspective, the reform perspective, like there's a lot of different perspectives to approach that, but it takes some kind of an initiative from you. And I think like, I do think there are people that are deconstructing and, and trying to move away from just like Christianity as a whole, as a thing that's keeping them from doing what they want to do maybe. And I think that that's probably, that's true for people though, that are, that would claim that they're evangelicals and believe everything that's orthodox. So like <laughs> yeah. there are people that are quote unquote, like would be fit in the perfect box, 
And they're doing the same exact thing that others are doing. They just would, would say, Oh, of course I believe all the things that you believe. I don't, I don't know if I can give a totally. perfect answer. Right, Cause at the point. No, that's, that's great, man. So, so at totally. the point, so I, I, it sounds like Blake, what you're saying is like, because then, then this gets out because this is something that I've gotten some arguments with people about is like, Oh, well, just Jesus didn't mean that. And he didn't mean this. And it's like, I feel like where you're coming from is like the Bible is a reliable way of knowing Jesus. These words are reliable, but if you start start to chip away at like, can we even understand it? Then it's like, you know, Jesus is unfollowable because there's no way to know how to follow him. Well, I think that, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that like the Bible, unfortunately, is much more complex than we have given it credit for over the years. Mm-hmm. And I think that it takes work in some ways to understand it. And I say that because I've taken a lot of classes on it and things like that. When you start digging into the context and language and stuff like that, sure. um, when we just take the English translation and we just like lay it out, and we just read it. Um, there's a lot of stuff that, that will get missed and it's inevitable. Um, if you listen to, I had an interview with Michael Heiser and like, you know, if you've read any of his stuff, you begin to yeah. realize, okay, there's a whole nother world of this. He'll put and, you on. And, and so that's my, my thing is like, it's very hard for me to have conversations about the Bible at times, because I think there's like two places where there are people that like want to deconstruct it to a place where it has an absolutely no value. And then there are those that will have conversations around like, oh, well, it's, this is how it's interpreted. This is the way it, it needs to be read. And I think, again, everything is like, like ambiguity. You got to have some middle ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that like, if you're if you're not following Jesus, you're not practicing Christianity. I mean, it, like people may not like that, but that's the that's the truth of the matter. You're not really practicing. If you want to practice Christianity, now if you want to practice a bunch of stuff, that's fine, whatever. But that's not really just simply Christianity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you, you know, one question: Do you? So this this is this was my next big question: Is like, and so Jesus often discouraged people from following him. You know, he set the standard very high. He said. Uh, you know, people within their own family are going to fight each other, take up your cross and follow me. He, and, and, and many times he thinned out the crowd. Like he wasn't interested in a crowd following him. He was interested in a small number of devoted people following him. And so sometimes when I'll be discussing uh, these things with people, I, I wonder, should I be, because I, th- I think in the West and evangelicalism, as people call it, we have this idea that like, um, that, that, that Jesus wants everybody on any terms, like, like you should follow him under any terms. And I guess my question is, do you ever ask, should I be, um, like Jesus was not interested in watering down his faith so that everyone would follow him, I guess is what I'm, is what I'm saying. And so should we discourage people? Should we tell, should we discourage people from following if they're not, I guess, I guess here's my question are there people that we should be discouraging from following Jesus if they don't agree to Christianity and to the teachings of Jesus? Because I think there's this idea of like, Oh, we should constantly be encouraging people to follow him under any terms. And it's like, well, no, Jesus put the, the, the demand for his followers really high. And it's like, if you don't want to do that, then maybe you don't just, want to be a Christian. Just to clarify that question real quick, uh, Andrew, you don't mean like if someone has doubts or doesn't see the full picture. No, 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 no. Because no. obviously the disciples had no clue what was going on half the time, but they, they you're saying right. ultimately they trusted in him and they followed him still. 
Right. I just want to make sure you don't mean it. Right. No, I, I guess like, what I, I guess what I'm saying is yeah. Jesus wasn't Jesus wasn't interested in watering down his faith. Yeah, he, so, he didn't care to please people. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, I, I I get what you're saying. No, I, I don't take it as anything negative. I don't know. That's a hard question. I think like, yeah, I think that I think that you can present to people like, well, this is the truth of the matter that Jesus wasn't trying to please people. He wasn't trying to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that is what. I kind of like about it. I don't know. I, I think that like, that's the thing is like when, okay. So when we read that passage or whatever, and you see that where Jesus is not like trying to gain, like he's not trying to gain anything. He's not the, yeah. the, the kingdom of God that Jesus presents is not one where he's, I'm going to come and get power. And even like he has conversations with the disciples, the disciples are like, who's going to sit at your left hand and your right. And then another passage where like the, the they have, the, they have their mother come ask cause they're too afraid. And like, they literally, Jesus is like, this is not what I'm doing here. And so for me, when I read that, I find that encouraging because when I get discouraged by seeing all of these pastors that have like millions of dollars, they have jets, they have plenty, like all this stuff. When I read stuff yeah. like that, I can point people that are really struggling and doubting because of the church and say, you know, that's not, I don't think that I can point people to stuff like that and be like, Jesus is actually discouraging power and control and things like that. But I, I think I don't know if we discourage people because I think that I think that what I have learned is if I had had people maybe discourage me in certain points of my my journey, um, I think maybe I don't know if I would have abandoned it, but I felt like I, I don't know. I don't think I would well, that, do that. I don't think I would do that, actually. Yeah, no, well, that's, yeah. honestly, to that point, that's what I was going to say is honestly, bro, I, I think that Western evangelical church has been more guilty of uh, to your point or probably to what you might feel too, Blake, is that, uh, and Andrew, I'm interested in what you think, like a lot of people's, let's say, uh, a mile wide inch deep faith is not due to, is not, not the fault of secularism or atheism. Ah, it's the, it's church. the fault. It's yeah. the fault of, like you said, Carhartt beanies. And look, like we said last night, there's nothing inherently sinful about fog machines and lights and all that stuff. Yeah. But when you have these, and I love you version. But if your five minute you version devotional check off a box makes you feel like you're following Jesus and that you're a good Christian, ultimately, when something hits, when tragedy hits, when 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 reality truly does bite back, what are you going to cling on to you? It's well, not going to be your you version Devo, bro. And it's definitely it, not going to be your car heart. During COVID, people were so like exactly. out of Perfect sorts. Example. They had yeah. no like 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 people I worked at. a So I worked at a, um, I was working at Rockbridge at the time. And I remember us be like, we would have staff meetings and things like that during COVID and people really dealing with isolation and things like that. And they were struggling and fair, fair that they were struggling. But I remember being in a meeting. I was like, we have no one else to blame but ourselves. I was like, we haven't like given people like meat and community. Um, So like my, my philosophies around church is a whole nother conversation, Mm -hmm. but kind of the, yeah, I think what I would say to the question that you previously asked about discouraging people, I think that. I think that if we could know where every person is going to land, it would probably like make it a lot easier on us, (laughs) but I don't. So I kind of like, I definitely think that I would use that teaching as a way to show people that like the church you may hate and the church you may see that you do not like may not be, and is probably not what Jesus was trying to get to anyways. And so that goes back to the question you asked earlier of like, are people just deconstructing what they don't like? or bad theology. Well, yeah, but how can we direct people towards what is true? And yeah, that's Andrew, what, how much, how much blame do you put on 
the, the church for people being so easy to because like like for instance let's talk about the pandemic if someone had been if someone born in like 1990 had grown up with like or whatever had grown up like really knowing the gospel and not just like you know awesome worship music uh ccm top 20 or whatever it was like how readily how readily do you think it would be easily to deconstruct basically andrew in your opinion i'm interested in what you think how much blame do we place on the church as well for not giving people like depth when it comes to the gospel like do you want to go no i'm asking you oh me um well dude i i'm mr i'm mr like what does the bible say and like um and so so you know yeah like i okay i think it, it was fine for me growing up because like i knew Okay, let me let me tell a little story. And this was the, the part of the Bible study that Danny and I used to be a part of. So at one point, um, we are we were all in a group chat together. And one of the guys in the group chat, uh, this was just I was like leading this Bible study. And one of the guys in the group chat said, uh, Oh, well, the founding fathers were Nazis. And I was like, and I reacted a little bit violently to that. And I was like, you know, what are you talking about? And so my my reaction was like sort of a poli- <laughs> like smile. Uh, my reaction was kind of a stupid political statement, and I didn't realize at the time how because I was leading this Bible study, people were viewing this like enmeshment of like religion and politics, which is like those things have always been so clearly separated to me. Um, Blake, to your point, like you don't really care about politics. I don't really care about politics either. It's like I've always viewed. Jesus and like American conservatism as so obviously like separate things, but I think people don't view it that way. I think people oh. view it, dude, people view it a lot more enmeshed and, and they like when American conservatism does something, they want to blame the church. And when the church does something, they want to blame it. And so people view it, I, you yeah, and I good. might view, view those things as separate. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't view them as separate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would say that there are, honestly like so i read that book jesus and john wayne and again i picked and chose kind of not really picked and chose i just kind of got through the weeds of what i was like all right i tried to read the facts like okay what are the facts here right right and and i always had some like things like i was like i don't know about this so growing up we listen i can remember it was freaking 89.3 was the radio station was american (laughs) family radio (laughs) oh nice yeah and every my mom's was the fish my mom had the fish oh yeah save for the whole family (laughs) so like every morning i would remember on the way to school i would hear at least two commercials or something about boycotting like coca-cola or boycotting yeah crest i remember crest yep yeah and so, so what was interesting for me as i'm like now, when I think back on those things and I see some of the big arguments that are taking place of like, whether it be within racial tension or whatever, and like uh, the critical race theory stuff and, and all that st- all that fun stuff. The thing that I think people struggle with at times is not necessarily what um, evangelicalism stands for a lot of the times, but the unequal standing. So like, for instance, back then more than willing to call out things that they felt were unjust and wrong. Mm -hmm. Now it's, well, we don't need to really say anything or do anything. We just need to teach the gospel and the gospel handles it. And so like, I think that there's like this, people see hypocrisy and they don't, 
they so when you're a hypocrite, if you know someone that's like a hypocrite or they speak out of both sides of their mouth, you don't take them seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like the way in which like, you know, evangelicals at times or Christians in general just have gone about picking and choosing their selective outrage. I think that at times has caused people to really struggle with taking the words of Jesus seriously, because the only way a lot of people ever engage with who Jesus is, is either through like bad, like TV or whatever, or Christians. And so like, you know, you had all this stuff in the last two years where, you know, if, if they're upset about it, organizations that are connected with evangelicalism or, or political figures that are Christians and things like that, they're more than willing to call it out and say something about it. And they don't just preach the gospel to those situations, but if it's situations they don't want to really speak on, they say, well, we just need to, we just need to preach the gospel and the gospel is enough. Yeah, so it's I like, do. okay, either we're going to do it on all things or we're going to do right. it on. Right. So that's the hypocrisy thing. And like, that's where people see, you know, American conservatism and evangelicalism together. Mm-hmm. And part of it is the issue we have is we've given too many people platforms that don't need platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's me. Point. I don't need, I don't need a platform like that. I'm not the guy that needs to be giving you like things to th- like where your landing points are. I think that that's the problem within the church is we don't let people think enough for them. They, they get their sermons online. They get their um, devotions through an app. They, yeah. So like, there's so much more out there that they can be engaging with for themselves. And I think the the most important thing that someone can have as a Christian is not necessarily, I may be wrong on this, but not necessarily a pastor or anything like that, but a community of like five people that yeah. they can like be yeah. with and have conversations with, like we're having, like, this is so important to like the church and Christianity. And so like, I think that like, it's interesting that, you know, from your perspective that it's not like tied together, but for a lot of people um, it is. And so I think that speaks to like just the different people you probably follow on social media or the people that they follow. And like, we're all in, I heard someone say, I think it was like a comedian was talking and he was like, we're just all on different algorithms. And so we have all different like thoughts. So it's, it's kind of a, dude. dude it, and, and that was why, Dude, honestly, the evangelical uh, attachment to Trump has become like a huge problem because I was like, whatever, you know, there's some political things Trump wants to accomplish that I can get on board with. So like, it's fine. And I guess I didn't fully think about the backlash from people are associating that with Christianity and Christians like my parents in particular are like, well, only God knows his heart. And it's like, well, but why don't you say that about Joe Biden? Like, why don't you say God knows his heart? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the hypocrite, they, that's the thing, the hypocrisy, man. Like, like yeah. more than willing to call out, like, it's mm-hmm. selective outrage. That's the, that's yeah. the, that's the yeah. issue. Within. Yeah. And, and I think Danny and I are both of like the Tim Keller school of thought, which is like conservative. Yeah, we, we don't like tribalism, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conservatives do mm-hmm. some, yeah. Conservatives do some things well. Liberals do some things well. And like, you know, yeah. but but the idea I was telling my fiance this last night is like the idea that you can't be a Christian and a, li- and a liberal or a Democrat is like stupid. We just need to we need to kill yeah. that idea. It's silly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I, it, it, are people thinking intellectually like mm-hmm. and are you rationalizing things? Are you just like, yeah. again, like and another so like, thing is like how, how interested did Jesus? And I'm not to say that there aren't fundamental issues. And, you know, obviously we, we won't get off on super deep politics and like there are fundamental issues that I think uh, on certain sides that, that, that I wouldn't compromise on. However, 
when it comes to a political party, man, it's like Jesus was pretty clear. Like it seemed like his disciples and the people of Israel, like were pushing him to want to take a side. And he kept giving them like, no, yeah. that's not why I'm here. I don't know if you watched the chosen Blake, but uh, I love when, uh, when uh, uh, he meets Nicodemus and Nicodemus is like, so about Rome and about Rome. And finally dudes like, Hey man, I'm sorry to tell you, but your sin, the sin in your heart is way bigger of an <laughs> issue than any, any president or any King or anything. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. your life. So, yeah. Hey, I mean, sorry, go ahead. Just, like, uh, like Jesus, like that's the thing. Like the more I just engage with the, the person of Jesus, like, and what he was doing on earth, like it's profound yeah. because, you know, imagine like I take a, I take a dollar, a dollar bill or whatever, or if we had a dollar bill with who was president now. And like, I was like, render under Joe Biden. What's Joe Biden? So that's not my problem. That's essentially what Jesus did when he took that. He takes that coin, says render under Caesar's what Caesar's like. That's not my, that's not my thing. Anything, any, like, I mean, if you read the Beatitudes, it's all about like the poor in spirit, the, like the meek, the humble, and like people that are seeking power and are like egotistical are none of the things that you find in the Beatitudes. Yeah. And so like, I don't, yeah, political stuff. I don't think Jesus was too concerned about. And so I think that the tying to that can be kind of dangerous, but what, you were, you were going to ask something. Um, yeah. So, okay. So um, Blake in my, so I've been going down this rabbit hole of like Jesus and John Wayne. And uh, did, did you, uh, anyway, that, that Alyssa Childers recent podcast that came out a couple of days ago was really good. And there was a quote. In it, you right now. Um, so, so there was a quote in it from this guy, David Gushy who wrote kind of a critical article um, uh, that was critical to the deacon. Dude, and I know you're not a deconstructionist. I'm just throwing this quote out there and I just want to see what your reaction is to it. Um, But I know you don't agree with it or or maybe you do, I don't know. So David Gushy, a pivotal author in the evangelical deconstruction movement said in an article the following, quote, much of what evangelicals believe to be the plain teaching of scripture, in quotes, is actually a product of historical attempts to justify racism, sexism, nationalism, and the oppressive oppressive status quo. Yeah. So, so like, I know you don't. I know you don't. You're not yeah, all on board with this. I just want to yeah, like yeah, bounce no. that off you. I think. Okay. So I think it, there's two sides of it. Like, have people used the teachings of scripture to support some of those things? Absolutely. I mean, I think that yeah, we okay. could definitely say. Yeah. To were those the intended things behind them? No, I don't think so. So. Yeah. I think it goes back to like. Have people wrestled with the depth of what the Bible is for mm-hmm. themselves? And that is like not just to the deconstructionist, that is to the person that is so certain that their theological standing yeah. is correct. Yeah, that's right. So everything that I'm really trying to present through the podcast is challenging, hopefully, to the uh, you know, the person leaning towards maybe atheism, agnosticism, whatever, um, super postmodern liberal Christianity, whatever that is or super conservative evangelical um, Christianity. Do I think that people have used the scriptures to do those things? Yeah, but I don't think that that is necessarily like reflective of, you know, the whole history of even the American evangelical church. Like to simply just like pigeonhole everything that the church in America has done into just a negative category, I don't think it's fair either. Um, Because I think that like, more often than not, whatever is like banging the loudest, like it's going to get the most attention and negative things more often than not get the most attention. I'd love to see just for my own, like 
critique of the way in which I view the church. Like, I'd like to see a review of what are the positive things that have come from the church in America? Like, how have we helped people? How have things? So I think that like, there's both and. And I think that at the end of the day, headlines sell. And like, what makes noise sells. And like, I think that like, part of what we're, we have going on is, is a lot of that. Like everyone's trying to build a platform. Everyone's trying to like respond to somebody or, or whatever. And I think that, yeah, I, I think that like for a lot of people, that's how they view it. But I think that they need, those people probably need to, I guess maybe like take a step back. And, and yeah. my thing is I don't ever want to be like that person that doesn't take into consideration. Well, maybe the person that's really struggling with this was like sexually abused by a pastor, or maybe it was a, then maybe there was a black kid that was in a, a really like white youth group and, uh, he felt like really outcast and isolated and he dealt with racism in that city. So like, my thing is like, how do I take, like, how do I always make sure that there is a human side to my thinking? Like what about the people that actually dealt with this stuff and why do they feel the way they do and how do they feel? And, and like, not that feelings always matter, but I think for Jesus, I think he cared about the stories of every individual and people. And so I think that like, that's kind of why I try to land um, is just trying to a lot of empathy is where I try to operate from and everything that I talk about. Yeah. And I think, dude, the, the church's lack of exposing abuse. Do you, do you follow the preacher boys podcast? I don't. I'm, I'm, okay. Okay. That one. Anyway, they just, they just basically every single episode is like exposing abuse in the church. Yeah. And like, dude, it's been disgusting how churches have like just been pros at covering that up and in the name of like, Oh, we're going to, it's going to be good for the gospel in the long run to cover this up. And it's like, yeah. you think of Ravi and like all the junk that went down with him. And it's like, man, Christians should be the first, like yeah. back to your thing of like small communities of, of Jesus followers, but Christians should be the first to expose abuse. And it's like, it's been pathetic that we've been yeah. so you know, so slow to expose abuse, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Speaking, speaking of, and, and, and one thing, Blake, um, and we want to respect your time too. So I don't know how long you have. Like We're that, good. But, uh, we, we, we love this. Uh, and dude, again, thank you so much for doing this, but uh, let's like, let's go there with like the mega church, bro. Like, and that's, I think that's going to be a place where Andrew and I, we're all going to find some like pretty common ground, bro. Not yeah. that we're not already, but just like what, I think because I, I think that's where a lot of this starts, especially for millennials or Gen Zers. It's like, okay, my parents taught me about so so super quick, a little bit about my story. I grew up Southern Baptist, my mom, super faithful woman, grew up knowing the gospel. However, I've always been naturally a skeptic. I've just always questioned everything. So I almost feel like I deconstructed my way to faith, if that makes sense. I know that sounds weird, but like I was deconstructing what my parents were telling me and what the church was telling me mm-hmm. from like age five to like 29. <laughs> so when I finally got saved, it was like, Oh, I'm good. Like I already, I already went through all that. And then I had to read the Josh McDowell's and the, yeah. and the, uh, and the, uh, Lee Strobel's and the, and the, and the, and the, and the Robbie's and all that. Uh, and I'm, and I'm thankful for it because now I, I feel like I, I've kind of dealt with a lot, not that I don't still have questions obviously, but like, and I'm fascinated by that stuff, but, um, how much of, a lot of this, like, like, you know, is the, the, the millennial or the, the, you know, the 25 year old or whoever that they grew up, their parents told them what Jesus was. They went to youth group, like, 
like you were talking about how like just our church structure in and of itself, especially with the mega church, it seems like we're, 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 we're big on events. We're big on lights. We're big on bands that sound like you two, but they're singing about Jesus. Uh, you know, and, and, and just, just, just to, yeah, yeah, bro. And just to keep it, just to keep it real, man, my girl and I talk about like, and this isn't just with one church, but like there'll be people that we know that you you'll see them on a Sunday like that, or you'll see them crying, or you'll see them like posting Instagram, like with their, with their coffee mug and their, and their, and their, and their, you know, their, uh, whatever the new Jesus book of the week, but then you know that they're sleeping with their girlfriend or they're sleeping with their boyfriend or whatever, whatever their quote unquote, like whatever their, their issue is like they're Yeah. And, and again, like I'm not here to judge as far as that. I'm more so talking about, I look back at the church and I'm like, okay, is this a cool fashion club of like, yeah. So I, I guess like kind of what are your what are your th- let's talk about that, man, because I really think that uh, uh, you have some good insight on that because you've been around the church so long, because I honestly from 13 to 29, I didn't I didn't go to church. And then I finally I'm 34 now. So I finally got back in a church at like 30 yeah. and uh, all that. But what do you think about that? And where do you think uh, <laughs> where do you think we need to look more like acts versus looking like uh, the coffee shop? Yeah, that's the best way I can well, put it. So, what's interesting, I remember. So, I grew up in a, I grew up in a small town. Like my my county probably had twenty thousand people in it. So, um, in the city had like which city? That's not a, it wasn't a city. It's just <laughs> what the city was. But there's like twelve thousand people. So I went to, um, <clears throat> I would float back and forth between the First Baptist Church and First United Methodist. All my best friends growing up. I had a sand lot growing up, so my like we rode bikes oh, in the nice. neighborhood and stuff like that. It was awesome. <laughs> but um, like I uh, would go to the Methodist Church with them, or I'd go to First Baptist, and it was super like normal church. Um, but I do have like real faint memories of like when I was like five, six years old, and we would go to First Baptist Church, and in a First Baptist in rural towns like that it's Sunday best. Everyone dresses nicely. Like you wear your, you know, you, you kind of get bit up for Sundays. You go to Sunday lunch and all this stuff. And there's a real, like the very country club feel to it. Um, and so the, I think about mega churches in two different ways. I think about the mega church and how, how similar they are to um, the Roman Catholic church when it was very, very early on and the power that they hold. Uh, like, I mean, the influence that, the mega churches have is insane. Like the billions of dollars that they have to influence um, the way in which we approach culture, the way in which we approach politics, the way in which we approach theology, like whether it be through music, whether it be through uh, the next book that um, Louis Giglio writes or Craig Rochelle or any of those people. Yeah. And then I also think about it from the perspective of like the mega church almost in a way is a result of like, for instance, North Point, North Point, where when Andy Stanley started North Point, he was trying to get away from this First Baptist Country Club kind of feel. But what has happened is they've just recreated it yeah. in a different kind of way. Yeah, totally. Where it's it's more like, all right, I'm going to go and wear my skinny jeans, my Air Force Ones, and my, long, my long line t-shirt and a beanie um, and things like that. And that's fine. If you want to dress that well, I don't care. But I think that when it becomes like an identifying – what are the identifying markers of the church and Christianity? And when it becomes – Things that are like so embedded in culture, I think that's when it becomes kind of like weird. Um, now, yeah. I will also say, I want to be fair. Like I worked at a big church 
and it was it's a good it's a good church like i i um the stuff we had what was called um hope projects and like we would give away so much food to be we would have food drives every month we would, like and that's the positive thing about like mega churches because they have resources that smaller churches don't have um and they can provide like a lot of really really good stuff um but it is easy to get lost in the crowd if you're at a mega church and i think that my thing is like i don't want to like crap on any of these pastors or anything yeah. but i just think that there is there should be at certain points like you have to answer, especially you would have thought when covid happened you know I, I kept hearing like oh this is the new normal we'll never go back to i didn't believe it for a second because like yeah. there's too much money involved we have to they have to operate these machines that they've created um, so again, I, you know, I'm not the guy that's going to be like, oh, we need to just get rid of mega churches. I think there, I think what I would love to see the mega church do is to create opportunities to shrink. And I think that like a community group once a month is not probably going to do that for you. Um, so I think that like, how do you figure out ways to, in a way, like create church within the church? Um, so I think that the whole money thing, like when you have mega church pastors that are doing like spending thousands of dollars on like sermon illustrations and stuff. I just kind of am like, what? I guess that's what's hard is like, do you even think that the concept is possible? Like, because it's like, you look at a lot of these places and I I always tell my girlfriend, it's almost like, and I don't mean this in a negative way. It's almost like it's not even a church. It's an, it's a like epicenter of Jesus. Awesomeness. It's like an epicenter of conferences and, 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 uh, connect groups and, 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 and production and stuff like that. But I don't know that I'd call it like, but I don't know that I call it like, I don't know, like, well, some, some mega church to Blake's point, I have seen some mega churches that are good at like community all the way down. Like passion is terrible at it. Like passion doesn't even, and, and like, you know, Daniel and I both went to passion and I love passion. And it's like, it's great that they remove barriers to people meeting Jesus, as they say. Yeah. And like, they bring a lot of people in the doors and they introduce a lot of people to Jesus, which is great. But like, where is that consistency all the way down to like the ground level of groups of five five people? I would ask though, just to push back a little bit on that. What, what, how much, how much responsibility lies with passion, which or, or any mega church, which some certainly does, and how much is on? Because, like, yeah, it was tough for me to find community when I first started going to passion, but eventually, after pressing through, I found Tanner, I found you guys, I found the Bible study, I found the worship yeah. night. Like, how much of it is on the person, too, and how much you know what I mean? I'm not, yeah, right. I mean, it, right. It's you're saying it's the it's the you're saying you can make community. It's not the church's job to create community. Uh, I think it's more organizationally. Well, well, I think it's more nuanced. I think that look, going to like like Blake said, going once a month and like having your like small plate with your toothpick and your Chick Fil A nugget and like, hey, like you want want to be best friends and talk about Jesus yeah. together and talk yeah. about our like you know porn addictions and stuff. Yeah, that's not like yeah or whatever you're struggling with. Like that's not no, that's not. Uh, that's that's probably an awkward way to do it but also at the same time like uh uh how much of it is is so what my point is like yeah that's an awkward way to find somebody to share your deepest darkest secrets with whatever those are but also like and do life with but what else would you have them do and you said you've known examples that's cool i I wasn't really aware of that what what like what church would y'all say are uh are doing that well 
like Woodstocker. Well, I don't know about the community side of it. I do. I all what I was more so referring to was the positive of like if the, the mega churches that do have resources can like serve the poor and things like that. But like people see the church is what you yeah. know. That's the thing. A lot of times, most people want to see the church like helping people out, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what because like first thing that comes to mind is like Jesus, you know, was with the poor. So why don't why don't y'all? So that's more so what I was referring to. I, I haven't seen a whole, I mean, we had like some small, we had some decent small groups, I will say at, at Rockbridge, but again, Rockbridge is, you know, still like Rockbridge is a very unique thing because it's in a rural context for the most part um, compared to Atlanta. So it's probably a lot easier for that to happen in a place like where I'm at than in Atlanta, uh, because you might have someone that lives in, what's the most Northern part of Atlanta? Is it Mary? Alpharetta. Alpharetta. So what's the yeah. most Southern part? Like, Macon, no, I'm yeah, no. <laughs> uh, like the like Forest Park. Okay, so like, say uh, you have like two people. Like I know they have it. What it, it can be a hall. It can be like a like one and a half, like one and a half, two hour hall to like have community. Whereas yeah. here, like mm-hmm. you can drive like ten minutes up the road and meet. You said something people. about making it smaller. Like make like like what did you say? What term you use? Like minimizing or yeah, shrink, shrink shrinking. The, yeah. yeah, shrink the church within the church. How do you do that? Yeah, that's one cool thing about like Grace. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Grace churches, but like there's like oh, yeah, Grace yeah. Midtown in Atlanta. Yeah, and like whenever they, they get big, they'll just like they'll plant, they'll spread because they don't ever like their their yeah. goal. And honestly, one of the best, obviously, you know, I, I love and disagree uh with certain things on the gospel coalition and even the Mars Hill podcast. But uh one point I think they made that was great was the idea of multi multi campus churches and 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 five sermons a yeah. day and stuff like that is definitely yeah, yeah. man well that's what, what i meant that's that? what i meant by it's similar to the roman catholic church because you get mm. to a point where it's like mm. if the same guy is preaching five times in a day is he the only one that has any mm. kind of spiritual knowledge He's the pope. Yeah. Right. yeah, that's that's a, exactly like I remember um, I kept up with like Vu Church some when I was in college, like Rich Wilkerson Jr. or whatever. Yeah. They're really good. Like, that's the thing. These guys are insane at communicating mm-hmm. and speaking. But I remember what like him, like I think him and like Carl Lentz and people like that. I would like I would hear them in interviews, just kind of wanted to watch them. And they'd be like, yeah, we preach like six, seven times a day. I'm like, screw that, dude. Like yeah. I've had to, I've taught and preached like at the most like twice, twice in a day. And it's very tiring. I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah. And and they're like trying to put on like a production every time they do it. And that's yeah. Yeah. I can't. Well, let me Blake, let me ask you this. Okay. If, if or and, and obviously you're not down on mega churches, but like what is our like? So imagine if around the country, it was all small churches where everyone knew each other and was following Jesus together. Like, would it be would, would we be missing something or would there be, would something be lost if we lost the mega church? I mean, I don't, here's my thing. I don't necessarily critique the mega church. I think that the model of church that we use at every church is the issue. I think that like, and I have a friend of mine, his name's Drew and he's a pastor in uh, South Georgia. And we talk a lot about this, but Hmm. he's planted a church. that's like something like when they got started, it was like completely different of anything that I had heard where Hmm. they meet and it's small intentionally. And it probably, he said, as, as long as it, if it grows, it's going to shrink. But so for instance, I can walk you through any church in America that's trying to have a, a growth. You walk in, you have a welcome team. They're going to say, hi, how are you? Can, can we show you where um, you want to sit? We'll have a, if you're a VIP, that's language that churches use. 
we have a section for you to sit in. The person will come, either they'll start worship immediately, somebody will come out as a host, introduce the service. More often than not, the worship leader will introduce it. They'll get started. They'll probably do two, three songs. Somebody will come out and they'll have a real spirit filled honor the moment. That's what we called it at Rockbridge was HTM moments. We'd honor the moment. You come out, you share like something, you know, if, if we, uh, I, I did it sometimes and you listen to the lyrics and you try and connect like something to the lyrics in the gospel. And you then you go into announcements and like, <laughs> it's not hard to do. Like you go into the announcements. Yeah, you go into the announcements. Oh, this is literally every church. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. And so then, but then I would be like, at this time, you do a TED talk. Yeah. At this time, we're walking through a sermon series on community. Let's turn our attentions to the screens to hear a message from our pastor. Mm-hmm. And then the message happens. Host comes back out, invites them into worship, go into worship, give them, a, we say, Look in the seat in front of you. There's a card you can fill out. You can get baptized, involved with a team, da, 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 da. And so that's how any church is trying to grow. And, and like, you know, churches that aren't trying to grow or your traditional churches have adopted some of those things. So what me and Drew a lot of times talk about is how, like, we're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And, like, people come and leave and come and leave. And is, is there fruit that can be produced from that? Sure. But is that what, like, the church actually is? And so the way Drew, do, Drew does it is really interesting is they, I know at one point, this is how it was. I don't know necessarily now. He said like, he doesn't even preach sermons that often. Like they show up, they have like some, some worship, but not a lot of worship. I think worship is usually at the end because they are worshiping in response to what they've talked through. So they'll have like tables set out with cue cards that have conversation points around what, um, whatever. If he gives a talk at, at the most, it's like 10 to 12 minutes. And like, then they go into conversation, they have communion and it, it forces people to deal with each other and talk and discuss mm. a big issue in the church today. And this reason why, like this conversation is helpful is like, if all three of us disagree, we can handle that. Mm. And people in the church haven't learned how to disagree with each other because they're not forced to. And yeah, the 40 has, seconds, say hello to your neighbor is not yeah. going to do that. Is yeah, it's, it, yeah. So like <laughs> the big thing is. People take the path of least resistance yeah, in everything. Yeah. You know, like most people don't want to get up at five in the morning to go work out. Most people don't want and and that overflows into how we operate faith. Um, and so in the church. And so if it's easy, we the, the growth church makes it really easy for people to like not be messed with and just show up and leave. And, mm. and I know the intentions behind it a lot of times. They want people to like be saved and they want people to follow Jesus. But then what? Like after right. that, then what? Right. Like, so my issue totally. is not necessarily. So you, the question of would we miss something? I don't know if we would miss something. I think that there would be a lot of probably things that didn't happen or influences that didn't occur. But I think the issue we have is like the monotony of the same model of church over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the reason they use it is because it works. And the reason that it works is because it's it does what exactly it's kind of. Because it plays into people's kind of American consumeristic selfishness. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I have an episode yeah. with my friend Drew Anderson, and we talked through all of that. That um, he wrote a book. Um, I forget, I forget the exact title. He's gonna be mad at me for that. But um, but he basically the idea of the book is: Are we more American than Christian? Is the church more American than wow. Christian? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so he talks through like all of those things and uh, really challenges that. And he's. And he can talk about it because he's actually trying to change it. He's doing like, he's a pastor that's actually not cool. 
going with the regular growth model of church. So. What do you, where do you see that specifically with worship? Because obviously like, I'm sure you have worship songs you love. I have worship songs that I love, but so like, you know, I served a conference, right. A passion. And uh, my girlfriend and I watched this video, this review, and she was like this girl, and you can tell she's like maybe 21 and she's like, on TikTok. Uh, maybe but she was like she was like I, I I'm mostly I don't, I don't have social media uh they so were they were really uh there was a lot of criticism passion yeah this year. but yeah, this yeah. one was specifically yeah. this one wasn't about like the COVID or anything like that it was more about like she was just like well I wasn't really feeling a lot of like the the, the, the messages and the echo which is definitely an echo in the bins but uh she was like, I'm really just like a worship person. I really just worship. And I'm like, <laughs> so like, you're really a feelings person. You're really like a, like a, like a, like a, like an experienced person. But again, how much of that is hurtful and how much of the, or, or, or responsibility, let's say, and how much of that is like, I guess my question is like, where do you stand with like modern? Uh, and I don't know if you've had a whole episode of this, man, but I, I'm going to check that the one with Drew out. Uh, where do you stand with like modern day, ccm i guess or whatever you would call it and like even when you look at a group like uh i remember when maverick city music first came out in 2019 i'm like man this is this is incredible like dude this is like this dude's wearing black t-shirts and hoodies and like fitted hats and like they're in a room of like 10 people just praising the lord like man this is what it's about like anything and i don't blame them okay but like anything you look at it now and it's a big production it's like and again, I don't want to be the guy who's like, my favorite band uh, is on a major record label, so they suck now. Like, I don't like them. No, like people can people can feed themselves and and, and the Lord, uh, I, I think, rewards people and, and gives success to people uh, if that's that's the path. But where where do you stand with all that? Because it does seem like it, 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 it I don't want to say it loses some of its purity, but it, it just it's not as what point do you think we cross over into from okay it's praise and it's worship because you know worship the lord your god with all your heart your mind your soul your heart so that means you know some emotion too i don't think we're we want to be like the so stoics daniel, like our, daniel get, we don't want to be the question dude so you're down your question is about worship we don't want to be the stoics like uh we don't want to be the stoics like uh uh first of all andrew relax Blake's fine. <laughs> Uh, Andrew, Andrew gets so nervous about like the pacing of these podcasts. I can tell you, man, I'm, no, I'm, I'm good. That's all. Work. That's all. That's all work today. That's yeah. Okay. I'm Relax, going to a Andrew. coffee shop later and that's you, about it. You, you yeah. got it. Come on. Blake's going to be so going to do Yeah. So do I hate this, the worship music? No, I'm just kidding. No, not so, that you hate it. No, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Yeah. What so, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, dude, I'm not a good Christian in that regard. I really struggle with worship music, honestly, mm-hmm. um, just because I like, I don't know. I think that a lot of times, like, I don't know. I think it's a lot just of it like, sucks. Yeah, a lot of it's not good. I grew up listening to garbage music. Like, I was like, dude, do we have like, mom? I was like, mom, do we have to listen to this radio station? <laughs> like, this is trash. Um, are there people out there that are super solid that do some really good stuff? I found some Christian worship that I really enjoy that like no one knows about, and like I love it. And um, so like, there are people like um, I don't know if you've ever heard of like Rivers and Robots. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, they're, he's good, dude. He's yeah, good, they're yeah. solid. Um, Young Oceans is another one. So mm-hmm. like, I think again, what if if you really just examine things from the model that they're using, like it's the same thing over and over again. Like like you Hillsong uses the same model of you know Elevation uses the same model. Like Passion uses a similar model. So it's all mo- like everything is a template. 
like you know they they have their verse and chorus build up chorus big bridge back the chorus you know all those things so if what what's the tool like that's the thing is like are these things a tool to help people or are these things a tool to grow something like that's i guess the question that and a lot of this stuff i can't really say like oh, i'm against it or um not for it because if there are individuals that honestly can like allow it to be just simply something that helps them in their faith who am i to like be like ah oh, let's get rid of that because if it's something that's good like i think that like you know i think god will handle all those things like it's not my my problem really or even my job to be like ah oh, you shouldn't listen to that or whatever like i, I used to kind of be that way and i i kind of would be like ah oh, i can't believe people listen to like bethel and this stuff like that i'm not really in that world anymore i don't really think that way anymore because i again like i kind of mentioned earlier i don't know where people's ending landing points are going to be and i don't know what portion of the journey of faith that they're on and so for some people like Maybe when y'all first, I don't know, like when y'all went to passion at the beginning, it's probably like, wow, this worship's like super, like better than probably stuff you've been around before. And it probably did mean something to you at that, that point in your faith. And maybe you've moved away from some of that stuff or whatever. But like, I think that's, that's my thing is like, I think that, I think there's always, you can always question like the money side of things. Like, I think, I think what it also does is like a lot of it creates this, like, expectation that you need to be every time you show up on Sunday that you need to be so emotionally invested and so like your faith level your faith meter Mm. is judged by your response physically and again not that there's anything wrong with worshiping or anything like that but like you know just that that's what ultimately is your barometer for for how much you love Jesus is just how extra you are with it and stuff like that so, 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 Daniel, you're talking about just like our our church is manipulating people through worship. How, how to treat? If I'd use the word. Uh, I, well, I don't know if I'd use the word manipulation. I think that it's 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 kind of like Blake was saying, like you have a product or you have like okay, so like McDonald's develops a way to make a burger and to factory push that thing out so it's profitable. It's like why wouldn't you copy that same method of? Um, of production and I don't even necessarily blame the worship leaders. I think like Hillsong, I think that Taya and, 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 and all those guys, they're sitting in a writer's room and they're, they're truly are trying to connect with the yeah. Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that the overall theme of what we're talking about here, if correct me if I'm wrong, when these, when, 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 when anything, when an organism, when a, when a, when an organization gets so big to where it's this massive machine with so many moving parts, it yeah. almost feeds itself. And that's what it's, you know, it's, it's desires to continue moving and, to, and right. it's, it's the nature of just existence. Yeah, right? right. So right. it's like, where's that middle ground of, okay, obviously there's nothing wrong with selling records. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with streaming and stuff like that. If we could all monetize what we're doing now, I'm sure we'd love to do it. But at what point would this become more about, okay, we got to put out another podcast, got to put out another Mm -hmm. Rethinking Christianity, got to put out another blah, blah, blah. And okay, we have a we have a set way we know to do it. Let's start. Let's in push it out. So I guess that's kind of like what you were thinking, right? It's like that's where we're kind of getting lost in the sauce of like, okay, like what are we doing here? Is the goal to praise God or is the goal to... I'm going to make a cool worship song that's going to be an anthem. And I think a good thing that I think people could ask themselves, and this is with any content creator that has something to do with Christianity. I think that the question 
anyone should ask themselves is, would I be willing to stop doing this if I knew it would help others? Would I be like willing to quit if I knew that like people would, if I was a hindrance. Mm-hmm. So like when you look at like a Mark Driscoll, for instance, he, he loses everything and whatever. And then he just goes and replicates it in yeah. Arizona. Yep. So with worship music, I guess the question is like, would any, would, would people be willing to lay that down? Get rid of, like if it, for them individuals. And that's me. Like if I could help some, if, if what I'm doing is hindering, would I be willing to give it up? Yeah. Um, so winding down here, I don't, Danny, I don't know if you have anything else to talk about. Blake, I'm curious because some of our earlier episodes were about dating and the, 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 the weird process of Christian dating. And I oh Blake's married. <laughs> you're married. You're a married man now. Some so advice, bro. Are, are, do, yeah. Do you have any sh- books that you really liked on, on that topic? Um, let me think. I like certain portions of certain books. Some books I'm just like, this is a bit much. like, there's certain yeah. like things where I'm like, all right, this is kind of weird. Like, I think that the way I look at Christian dating is it is way too like Todd to like success as a Christian. Like if you can get married, you, you got, you won, like you're yeah, like, dude. a Christian and like the pressure to like be this, per- like be in a perfect relationship and Hey, don't do these certain things when you're in a relationship. Yeah. You can only like, and that's not, I don't mean that like sexually. I mean, like no, I mean, remember hearing yeah, yeah. like, um, don't pray with the, a girlfriend or whatever. You don't want to get like spirit, like stuff like that. And I, I just like, hmm. I think with dating is like, don't overthink it. Like, I, I think that it gets yeah. overthought a lot. Um, honestly, no, I don't really, I didn't really read a lot. I will say this. I'll say the biggest thing that, um, helped me and honestly was when we were dating was our pre-marriage counseling. And we went to like a legit counselor and walked through that. Um, and then like reading books about, marriage and like i think the reality of um marriage is that like they're i I love being married it's awesome but i think that um the thing i struggled with the most when i was dating hallie who's my wife is i came to a point where i um i always thought like i would always have like honeymoon feelings all the time like i'd be like whatever and like when those went away i was like what do i do with this so um i learned that like love is not just this feeling I love is, is dedication and discipline to, to choose that person. Um, Christian dating is weird though. I remember seeing like some TikToks and stuff about passion conference, about these people trying to find like their significant other. Wait, wait, and, wait, I, wait. and here's the thing. I think passion is, it drives some of that. I remember there was a passion conference one year where they like had two random people come and do a date during one of the breaks on like stage. And the couple ended up getting married, which cool, but that just is continually presenting like, Oh, yeah. you got to like be in a relationship. My thing is like, if you want to be in a relationship, that's great. If you want to be single, that's, mm-hmm. that's fine. And I think like, I think it's just a hard thing. I'm not the person to talk about that. I'm not even a year into being married. So I don't, I, I just uh, one day at a time is the way I take it. I don't really. I'm Dude, not I that love guy. how you said I like certain portions of books. I was telling, uh, I think I told Andrew the other day. I was like, or somebody, I was like, Dude, I feel like most, uh, not every book, but a lot of books. If you just search Spotify or Apple for a podcast with that author, you're gonna you're gonna get the whole book. Yeah, you don't even have to read books now. I like Thank reading, you. so I just do. the books you want to read are ones that have footnotes. If they have, mm. let's read them. Mm. If they don't, just get a highlighter and find the main point of each chapter. Because if they got footnotes, they've done their research, yeah. and that's those are the books you want to read. Yeah. So now, and, and and super quick on the on the on the like the worship factory thing, we do the same thing with with series. 
the pastor has a series oh, and he has book. a book about the series and then he has a devotional about the series it's like this all-included package so i was at a i was at um dang what's the conference called that passion does when they do like their worship leader lift is that uh, lift yeah oh yeah i went to lift one year and i got i literally got to i went up to louis giglo after one of the sessions and asked him i was like so how do you go about because i like to i used to write more i don't really anymore i i, I would like to i just don't have time but I asked him, I was like, what do you, what's your writing process? Like, how do you go about that? He was like, well, he was like, usually he was like, I have, I think he said, I have two uh, writers and editors. And he was like, I have, um, usually what we'll do is we'll take a sermon series and we'll like flesh that out into a book. And that was right before um, the book about Goliath came out. Uh, yeah. Goliath must fall. Yeah. That book. And he was like, Goliath must fall was a sermon series that I walked through. I don't have an issue with that, but it is how books are, are written. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who uh, was actually, he played in the band at Passion quite a bit. Um, but when, for some event, he went and picked up uh, Bob Goff. And Bob Goff, he was asking Bob Goff, like, how do you get into writing or whatever? And he was like, he's like, he's like, if you got 10,000 followers on Instagram, you're set. He's like, you don't even have to like, he's like, you can, and he's like, and you have good engagement. He was like, you can get a publishing deal. He was like, secondly, he was like, just take, he's like, take four or five talks for, that you have and he was like, find somebody on like a website, a mom that works from home and get her to like, just transcribe it for you. You go in and edit the chapters and things like that. And he was like, and you got a book. He was like, it's that simple. So Jeez. like, I'm telling you, they're, they're like, a lot of the books are not like writing is, there are writers out there that are like super good. Like some, one of my favorite authors, um, and he doesn't write anymore is Donald Miller. Have y'all ever read Blue Light Jazz? Yeah, Blue Light Jazz. Yep. I've heard so of good. Blue Light Jazz like my whole christian Bro, i got like i every time i see a copy of it i buy it because i always want to give it to people because of how yeah. good it is and dude, uh dude and now he's doing now he that, does like business now he does like business seminar stuff I'm yeah like, he's such a good writer i want him to write books yeah yeah yeah. it's like dude Dot, what are you doing dude yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh no actually no a date a great dating book scary close it's a book on intimacy by donald uh, miller if that's a book that i write down all this very close, dude. That because he got married later on in life, like I think later in his forties and stuff. And the what big a loser. So I'm, 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 I'm like I'm thirty. I'm about to turn thirty nine, and I'm about to get married. So nice. Well, anyways, but he he writes this book about like him struggling with like being intimate with people and being honest, and um, and it's really good. So if you're hmm. someone that's getting married or dating or whatever, that that is one book i will say read that book yeah no dude you're, you're totally right though about like churches treat single people as second-class citizens and i remember daniel the we used to have a group at passion city that literally would just kind of like hang out all the time like after church and and we would go to stuff and like it was great and and dude and like now that i'm about to get married i kind of bemoan those days of like that intimacy with that number of people and, and it's like, it's almost like you become a couple and you lose that community, that community because single people, dude, I had more community as a single person than I did as a dating person now, because it was it like, was people were kind of always available and always hanging out. And it's like, man, single people could be the most powerful force for the gospel because of their availability. And it's sad that um, the problem is they're all wanting to find someone that's the problem yeah it's so true yeah <laughs> but another thing that's interesting is like i mean the churches categorize groups by relationship status old yeah, and married yeah. young and married sure. single mm -hmm. like if you want to learn about marriage why the heck wouldn't you want to be in a community group with people that are married and been married for 20 years or just mm -hmm. if you want to like and that's one thing that i will say like i'm at a very uh much more traditional kind of church we have we have like a 
more contemporary service and we have a traditional service that's really liturgical. Mm-hmm. But like the one of the coolest things that I have like really enjoy about being at this church is uh, getting, there's a lady, um, Miss Jojo, and she's in her 90s. And she is a sharp as a whistle. And she'll come to the church all the time. There's just a different approach to church and things like that from them. Yeah. Um, and, and things that like, it just matters more to that generation yeah. and just getting to talk with them and learn from like just their wisdom and they're funny. And I think that that's where, mm-hmm. you know, we honestly, we, we, the, that's the biggest thing I struggle with, with the mega churches. You're not going to find some of these like very older people that have yeah. so much wisdom to offer. And like, you look at discipleship. I mean, you usually would want it to be from people that are much older than you because they have a lot more wisdom and a lot more life experience. So yeah, discipleship, yeah. I think is the biggest area that we have found and that my girlfriend and I talk about of, of that we'd like to see more at passion or, and, 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 you know, they're working on it, but, or, or at churches like that, because like you said earlier, you show up, you receive the manufactured, and I mean, not an insulting way, but you receive the manufactured product. It's executed perfectly. Uh, you know, and I serve on production. So I know how exactly like, okay, hit, we want to hit these certain barometers, go giving slide, go, go, uh, go that, you know, and then we, you receive that and then you're out and then you walk out and how do you know anybody that you're, it's like, it's like <laughs> in middle school, middle school, when you're like headed towards the bus, it's like, that's how the church is like, I don't know any of these kids. I mean, know this person, this person. Yeah. And it wasn't until I met like a lot of guys, Andrew included that I started to go to like dinners with them and I started to meet up with them and stuff like that. So no, totally. Uh, dude, it's, dude, yeah. Passion would never have someone over the age of 23 on their stage. And that's sad. And it's unless not good. They're preaching. What? Unless they're preaching. Yeah. Unless they're preaching. And so it's, it, it says, yeah, we don't care about what old, older people have to think. They don't have any wisdom. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's I just can't get with that. I just don't, yeah. that's my biggest struggle is the, the church is generational. It's gotta be multi-generational. It's not, yeah. You know, if you got one age group, you're going to get a bunch of idiots in the room. Like, yeah, yeah. And, they, and we're already like, I'm young and I'm stupid. So, like, I know I need people around me that are way older. Yeah. But I think like everything that we're talking about comes down to like creating communities for people that came yeah. in the middle of doubt. And like that stuff I talked about earlier, where like when you follow the words of Jesus, it brings you back to the reality of your brokenness. And like, you need people around you to do that with. And that's kind of like where I think the answer to a lot of these questions is how do we get people in communities and, and are we okay with having people in our communities that may never like land in the same kind of area of fate that we do? And are we good with walking with them? I visited a, a church in, I call it a church, but in Chicago, um, and this is these two guys, um, Louis, Louis, ironically, the guy's name is Louis, but he's a single man who's in his late 60s 70s um they live in a three-story like apartment building one of those like brownstone type buildings and that's their church and they um like on tuesday nights they have dinner they invite all these people they live in one of the most diverse neighborhoods in pretty much in all of chicago you can walk down um this block and you'll excuse me you'll walk past a um, synagogue you'll walk past a temple you'll walk past a mosque and they'll invite people to just participate in dinner and like they're engaged with those people. And when I visited, um, we went to this Indian restaurant, fire food, by the way, we went to this Indian restaurant and this guy that came with us was an atheist. And he just was simple. Like he was, he felt like he belonged because there was community. There was intentional community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember talking to Louie and he was like, he was like, Blake, what do you want to do? Whatever he was. I was like, I think I want to be a pastor one day. Um, 
and I said that at the time, I don't know about that now. We'll see. But um, he was like, he's like, okay. He's like, well, he's like, we were just talking about models of church. And he's like, I want to like, and, and he did exactly what I did a minute ago. He was like, I'll walk you through what a family goes through when they show up to any church in the South. And it's exactly what I showed you. And he said, that doesn't work in cities like this. It doesn't work in diverse communities, especially with other religions, because other religions are so family oriented, starting with the father. And if you go to a church where there's a, like, for instance, a, a Jewish family comes in and you tell them your kids can go back to uh, such and such for kids connection or whatever, the father doesn't like that because the father in, in those cultures, like the father mm. wants to be the influence of faith in their families. So um, I remember like that experience was so profound for me, like being in that building because like you saw the community that all these people had um i remember at one point there were some girls that were with us on this trip and um one of the ladies that lived there the wives of one of the men there um she had invited a woman that was um i think she might have been pakistanian or uh, some middle eastern country but she came over and she just hung out with them and they did like henna on their hands and stuff and just were they were just getting to know each other yeah and the biggest like i said a minute ago it comes down to community how do you keep abuses from happening accountability through community how do you bring attention to things that are wrong accountability through community how do you draw people towards jesus and like you walk alongside each other it's accountability through community and like the deconstruction movement is a lot of different things but for me personally if you want to find a landing spot i think that somewhere in the middle of like either within a church or in your own you know outside of the church finding community is so vital and like being honest, like being okay with like potentially having someone in your group say like, I don't know if I think the Bible is inerrant and you being okay with that and yeah. you like being and having dialogue. And that's where like the church has become. So we create boxes because boxes, right. when you have boxes, it's easy to create templates. And if you can create templates, you can produce the same thing over and over again. And that's what we see has happened. And so a lot of times the pushback to some of the viewpoints that may seem heretical or whatever, I think a lot of times is more so pushed back towards um, potentially, you know, destroying the things that are making a lot of money. Have you seen, uh, no, that's good. Have you seen the, uh, I know you're a big John Mark Comer guy, as am I. Um, I put Andrew on, no big deal or whatever. Andrew didn't, you know, he wasn't a, a, a jump. Uh, but uh I have put you, you on a Tim Keller though, so yeah, you got me. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 you know, whenever someone says I put you on a Tim Keller, that's like the Trump card. Like, uh, you know, it's like <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, you put me on Tim Keller. Uh, I, I came. I remember I was like met him at the Bible study, and I was like, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of John Piper. Andrews like, do you know about Tim Keller? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, dude, dude, dude. Keller's better than Piper. okay. Look at Keller. Look at Keller. And I was like, okay. Uh, but uh. uh John Mark Comer has a, an amazing, I'll, I'll link it in the group chat that we started, but he has an amazing, like just 12 minute, I think video on uh, deconstruction and Q ideas. Uh, is it's, it, is it's, he have you seen, it's this one where he's like, uh, I know that's okay. terrible. It's uh, yeah, it's 13 minutes or 14 minutes, but uh, he talks about, he kind of talks about it as like a process to move through, not in the sense of that you have to like land on the exact same spot, but just that the desert of postmodernism subject, you know, moral yeah. subjectivity is something to move through. And he talks about the people that he's seen. So just come in full circle. I think that you make some great points, man, when it comes to like 
being not like lashing out when someone has some questions or some doubts or stuff like that. You look at the disciples, man. I mean, look at every character in the Bible that's not Jesus, pretty much. And they all like, you know, questioned and stuff like that. So not lashing out and not and, 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 and cultivating people's genuine skepticism or genuine desire to find truth. Um, while simultaneously, I think we would say holding to biblical principles and, and, and let's say that they even think that uh, the Bible may not be inerrant, having that conversation and that dialogue about why you may think that it is versus, Oh, you're, well, you're not a Christian or something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Well, I so I, so I, Blake, I like how you uh, wrapping us up here, how you, I think you just great thoughts to go on about community. And like, I think we all agree, like these things are, you know, it, it's not like the church needs to create a doubt department, like, Hey, go to your doubt training, but it's like, but those things get figured out in community. And if people aren't afraid to ask questions, um, like we shouldn't in, in, in community, we create small intimate environments where it's okay to say, what does biblical inerrancy mean? Do, do I even believe in that? And so, yeah. so yeah. just, cl- uh, just closing any, do you have any, um, uh, podcast or book recommendations uh, that you want to shout out? Let's see. B- besides yeah. your own, of course. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'm going to leave with one quote and then I'll give some stuff. So there's a quote about Peter ends that I really like. And it's, um, if we cannot be spiritually honest within the church, then where can we expect to be spiritually honest? And so that is, uh, that's kind of, maybe there shouldn't be a doubt department, but there definitely should be, again, a community that gives, you know, opportunities for honest conversations. And so podcasts that I really like, um, I listen to the Bible Project podcast a lot. Um, For me, I'm just a nerd in that way. But I think the uh, the Bible for normal people is really cool. Um, They have a very, very diverse uh, list of guests that come on, some that you probably will disagree with. And that's good because I think it challenges you. Um, there is a, if you go to, um, if you go to John, like you look up John Mark Comer and you can find it, it's a thing called following the way or the way of Jesus. Um, it is a vision. Awesome series, website. Yeah, it's a vision series that his church did. Um, they were really working towards like spiritual formation. And that's something I've been really interested in lately is spiritual formation and, and really, pr- uh, having teeth to kind of my faith that you you've mentioned that in your podcast a couple spiritual formation is that like a um is that from a particular tradition or like where's i've never heard this word before so oh yeah so there's a lot of like so it comes from a lot of eastern orthodox stuff um and then also the catholic church um and john mark comer you know if you go look at his stuff so i'll kind of give you an idea of like where it comes from in some way. So the idea of discipleship a long time ago was apprenticeship. Um, and there's a really cool talk that uh, Rob Bell gives, and it's not his original idea, but it's this idea of being covered in the dust of your rabbi. Mm-hmm. And essentially what that means is that many years ago, like in Jewish tradition, if you were an apprentice to a rabbi, what you would want to do is literally emulate and do the things that they did. Like, And, and so when a rabbi like would say, follow me, you're literally following them and, and you would see like these rabbis walking around with these little like Padawan type things behind them. And at the, by the end of the day, the, the idea was you want to be covered in their dust or in his dust. And that's because you mm-hmm. literally followed him everywhere doing those things. And so spiritual formation is like somewhat in that, but it's a part of like, what are the things that shape me as a disciple? And that'd be as simple things like just, like intentional prayer, intentional, like reflection and meditation, scripture reading, journaling, 
Um, and there's a lot of that stuff on John Mark Comer's uh, Falling the Way. And you can find out more about that. And then I would encourage you to look up like just stuff on some of the Eastern Orthodox stuff. There's a lot of things that um, are really valuable that the Protestant American church doesn't present to people that I've found really helpful. There's a really cool prayer um, that I just read a little short book on. It's called the Jesus prayer. Uh, and it's a prayer that um, is rooted in Eastern Orthodoxy. And it's simply, they say it like they'll, they'll recite it over and over again, but not as a way of just like, like just doing it, but it's really like focusing your mind, but it's um, the prayer goes, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And they'll recite that over and over again because of the, it calls upon the name of Jesus. It recognizes who we are and our need for mercy and grace. Um, so there's, those are kind of examples of parts of spiritual formation, but it's mostly just things that people do. Um, but I like those podcasts. A really uh, influential author is Mark Scandrett. If you could, if you find his stuff, um, he has a book called Practicing the Way of Jesus. And then he has a book called The Ninefold Path of Jesus, um, Hidden Wisdom and the Beatitudes. And those two, um, I interviewed him for both of those books and uh, super solid stuff. But there's plenty of stuff out there. I could go on and on, but yeah. and read it. Don't yeah, know. no, you uh, and we talked about Heiser last night. I think yeah, that, Dr. Uh, Heiser, yeah. and, and one thing you mentioned, man, is that you love like the Hebrew roots and stuff like that. I think that is something that is like Fair you were nice. talking about. We lost a lot of the liturgical stuff. Like we've gone so far to the spectrum of, well, you know, God knows my heart. But like your, you know, your, 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 your heart also follows your posture a lot of times and saying prayers like you just mentioned or get, let's yeah. say getting on your knees to pray and stuff like that. I think we're so accustomed to like, well, you know, we don't want to have like that old timey church yeah. stuff like that, but it's like, well, there was a lot of wisdom and stuff like that too. And there's reason they didn't just do it out of uh, legalism. They did yeah. it for, uh, like you said, formation. Um, and yeah, like Michael Heiser too, like learning, learning what the council of the gods is learning what the satan is and like the Bible projects amazing at that and stuff like that. Did, You're like, did you see what? that spiritual beings video? Dude, uh, I incredible. Have, I Nobody done. does it like them, bro. I mean, um, they're dude, just incredible. Dude, their video on spiritual beings and, and the, the Satan. Oh, dude, oh yeah, that'll mess you up. Have y'all ever, um, Dr. Heiser talked about on my interview um, with him about the book of Job and the idea of Tom as an adversary. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go, go listen, I think I actually have a short clip on YouTube of just that. Um, yeah, it's solid. Stuff like that is what has changed my approach to the Bible is like understanding, okay, there's a lot more to this than. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. What lastly wrapping up, what do you see for the future of your podcast and and who would you like to have on? I mean, I know we talked a little bit about it, but who would you love to have on? And honestly, man, like what would you love uh, to see it do? And, 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 and yeah, in the next couple of years or whatever. Yeah, I think that so I want to keep doing I want to be a little more organized. And so that's why I have a friend of mine uh, since Caleb Burrell helping me out. Dude, super organized. Um, and just, it's all, it, you know, you guys know, it's really helpful to have someone else to bounce ideas back and yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll still do a lot of the interviews and things like that because he is in, um, Italy, but this season we're doing like, um, the idea of our season is kind of like reclaiming things like, so reclaiming these things that people are deconstructing from. So the question you asked earlier about are people deconstruct from bad theology and just bad experiences, not actually what those things are, um, so what we're doing is like acknowledging the bad stuff and then trying to represent that and repackage all the options. So like, for instance, like where people struggle with worship music or worship in general or prayer or whatever, and they, they have certain connections of those things to bad things. 
how do we like acknowledge that and then represent it to people of like, here are the options that you kind of have. Like maybe this, maybe this is the route you want to take. Maybe this is the route. Maybe these are resources and tools that can help you. And so conversations around that. And then we'll do some interviews and things like that. Some people I'd love to have on. Um, I want to talk to if Tim Mackey, if you hear this ever, mm-hmm. I want to hear, I want to talk to Tim Mackey and John Collins of the Bible project. I want to talk to um, John Mark Comer, um, someone I'd really enjoy talking to who is not in the Christian realm at all. And if you've ever heard of a guy named Peter Rollins, um, he's a philosopher, dude's wicked smart. Um, he has a very different viewpoints. He's not, I don't believe he's a Christian, but I just really yeah. want to. Like I wanna, a Jordan Peterson type. Uh, I think when I say that, I, I just mean like than, a guy who's really smart and philosopher, not a Christian, but like, yeah. you know, he's very interesting. Yeah. He's he, you'd have to just, I can't even, it's hard for me to even put in words and explain. I'm looking him up now. Yeah, look him up. He, he, yeah. And, and yeah, I'd like to talk to Rob Bell. I think that'd be cool. And I'd like to probably Jared Bias to do he he's the other guy on the Bible for normal people with Pete in. So um, but yeah, there's a lot of people I could talk to. I really want to like broaden the um spectrum of people. I talked to, I don't know if y'all I talked to a Catholic nun last uh last season, and that was dope. She's mm-hmm. like 80 something and she was so sweet. But and what I'd like to see the podcast do is continue to help people. Um, you know, I get messages on Instagram about how it's helpful. I want to continue to put out resources and things like that. Um, there are some ideas that maybe we'll, we'll, we'll create some things like opportunities of like community through like Facebook groups or stuff like that. I don't really know. Cool. Um, but there's a lot of different directions we could go, but I'm trying to keep it simple just because I don't want to become obsessive with it. I just want to like pr- you know, produce some good content and things like that. And yeah. also this helps me at the end of the day, I'm really honestly just selfish with it. Like I want, like I'm trying to learn. Uh, and so I use the podcast as a way to learn. So it's kind of where I'm going. Awesome. It's, it's also easy when you're creating content to think that like to get really wrapped up in it. And it's like, I think it's best when it's just kind of like outside of your normal life, you know, but it's just like this other thing. Yeah. All right. Well, Blake, thank you for coming on. Uh, yeah, bro, any, any final thoughts from anybody? Nah, just check out, look up Rethinking Christianity. If you're yeah. on Instagram, find it. You can just so, type in Rethinking Christianity podcast. It's on pretty much every streaming platform. Yeah. And are you Rethinking Christianity on YouTube uh, as well? Yeah, there, we're on YouTube. I think we have like 105 subscribers. So if you want to go increase that. <laughs> they increase, baby. Yeah. It's hard, dude. I'm telling YouTube, that took forever to get that. And dude, YouTube uh, is weird. It, it's It's like each platform has its own tricks, you know? So it's weird. It's yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing is like you don't want to be too clickbaity at the same. You you want to have like a we we've kind of Andrew and I have kind of like I'll tell him because again he's more of like he's he's more of like the concise guy and like we got to put it out like this and this is how, and like I'm like let's just talk and wherever it goes it goes and he's like I'm like the title should be this and he's like you, 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 you gotta have more a clickbait like, title you gotta sure. have a you gotta have a little bring it you know what I'm saying yeah. so yeah yeah well cool man all right man really appreciate it yeah, thank sure. you bro yeah no problem. See you guys.